What up, what up, what up, what up? Once again, it's your favorite podcast. Yes, I said your favorite podcast, Three Brothers, No Sense. I am Tavares Ferguson, a.k.a. Ferg, and I'm joined with my co-host, Byron Evans, a.k.a. Buff, and Arazio Macarella. Razi, fellas, tell them what's on your mind. What's up, everybody? Hey, once again, we just appreciate all the support that we're getting. Everybody that's sharing, commenting on Facebook. We just appreciate everything that you're doing for us. We're going to keep giving it to you raw and uh, just keep listening. Man, and, and I want to second what Razio said. But in addition to that, people that know me or people that finally meet me after listening to this podcast going to be like, why in the hell do they call him buff? He's not even buff. So... I just want to put that out there. I don't subscribe to Buff. This is what all my friends have called me. Slim put this on me, and they just refuse to call me anything else, people. I don't walk around thinking of Buff. I just want to put that out there. I beg to differ. I feel like you came up with Buff, but... um, No, it was Slim. It was Slim. I mean, we can agree (laughs) to disagree, fellas. (laughs) But what's up, though, fellas? What's going on with y'all, man? Nothing much. Once again, I want to thank all our listeners for... Subscribing, listening, sharing, communicating, just being active on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and making it um, worthwhile doing a show. I mean, yes. every time I get a, a email or a text or a, somebody uh, goes into my DM, all responsible, good Christian DM messages, by the way. <laughs> It, it, it puts a smile on my face so, and let me know, lets me know that the listeners like what we're saying and we're actually doing this for a reason. I mean, neither one of us say we're experts in any of the subjects that uh, we talk about. We just try to think about it deeply and I think at the end of the day, challenge what we, we think initially and just go a little deeper and try to make ourselves better people. So uh, appreciate the, all the support. So what's going on in the news, fellas? What's going on out there that we haven't really talked about? I, I want I wanted to throw out there. I saw Byron. You finally caught up on Snowfall, and I saw your post about the season finale. No spoilers, I updated my post today from yesterday. Did you check that one yet? No, I haven't seen that one yet. Okay, so okay, no spoilers, but I will say. If you saw my original post, I slightly amended it. But at the end of the day, it was not an episode I cared for. But I did go back and rewatch it. And I caught a few clues that was pretty cool. Easter eggs, as uh, comic book fans would say. I caught a few Easter eggs in there that uh, it was pretty cool. But overall, not the type of episode I wanted. Yeah. But Snowfall as a whole, man, is a great show. So if you haven't checked it out, it's a show about the crack epidemic that hit California in the eighties and, and how the CIA supposedly, you know, helped that happen and everything like that. So it hits it from so many different angles. It, it really is a new age, the wire. If anybody remembers that loosely based on free freeway, Ricky, Ross, even though Rick Ross said not the rapper, by the way, but Rick Ross said that John Singleton never consulted him. In my opinion, it's loosely based on him in connection with the CIA. Yeah, I can see that. Well, man, um, I haven't caught up on Snowfall. I've been cheap every time I look at Comcast, Netflix, or Prime. They're trying to charge me, so I'm trying to get it on my fire stick. Yeah, I said it. I'm trying to get it on my fire stick. <laughs> so it's on Hulu. Uh, and, you know, Hulu, you can watch it with commercials, so you're good now. Oh, wow. Uh, I have Hulu. So, uh, and and it's, a, it's it. a FX show, so if you have basic cable... You I just... do, but the thing about it is they would Xfinity, Comcast, whatever they are today, they give me, I have all of season three recorded. We're halfway through season two. So we haven't started watching season three just because we we don't want to be lost. So if we can watch the, the last half of season two, we can watch season three on our, our uh, on our regular TV. So season three but, uh, is bananas too, man. It's, it's yeah. Crazy. Yeah, season three. I mean, they they took it up a notch in season yeah. three. Okay. Well, unlike Franklin, we're not getting paid like that. So you know what we got to do is that time we got to pay bills, people. Let's do it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. 
with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, fellas, we're back. It's my favorite part of the show. It's when we get down to the questions, the nitty gritty. And as usual, so much has gone on, you know, from what I read and what I see, see and experience that, man, I don't even know what I want to ask. So um, I'm going to ask you guys to pick a number between one and three. And um, but pick a number between one and three. Uh, two. OK, two. So let me see. Uh, he really pulling out his phone. <laughs> <laughs> Scrolling. <laughs> OK. That's, That's how many cool. topics he has. He has a scroll wow. through. I mean, I, I, I travel. I try to experience life. I'm a deep thinker. So I have show topics pop up all the time. So I do the same. Thing. I had to narrow down to three questions. So the second question on my list is the one we'll go with. So it's a weird conversation. First of all, uh, are either one of you guys organ donors? I am. What about you, Buff? I am not. Okay. Is there any particular reason why not? It's not a judgment call. It's not saying. No, I I don't. uh, (laughs) Just in case they, uh, you know, the old Chris Rock joke, in case they think a way to bring us back to life. (laughs) I need need all my organs. (laughs) Well, the reason I ask that is, you know, when I ask people, are they organ donors? It's about 50 50 that my friends and family members are. It's way more acceptable. Now, I am an organ donor. But we always look at it as something we do if we pass or expire, you know, that rushing that kidney or whatever to the hospital because we got in a bad accident or something like that. So just recently, someone I know, and I want to say this tastefully because I don't want to uh, put their business out there or disrespect their situation, but uh, they've been diagnosed with a uh, a very serious disease where they're in need of an organ, a a kidney to be exact. And at the same time, this person's wife is also in need of a kidney. And this gentleman um, being a great guy has put it out there in the world that, Hey, if there is a donor, he would like the first kidney to go to his wife, which is just admirable in my, in, in my mind. But it made me think, are you willing to donate an organ to a close friend or, well, or donate an organ, period, to somebody who really needs it while you're still living? And if so, is it certain people you're willing to do? Uh, are there parameters behind it? You guys get it? You know? I, think, I, think, I think I got you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I can go. It reminds me of... You remember John Q, yeah, Denzel yeah. Washington, when he had to give his, uh, I think it was a kidney or heart or something to his son. And, you know, he was about to blow his brains out to do it. And it was hard for him to do it. Right. So he's like trying to commit suicide so he could save his son. But it's still hard for him to do. And I, I think it's that same thing. For me, it, it, it has to be somebody close. I'm no, I'm sorry. I'm not giving up a a kidney to some person on the internet that just says, Hey, I need a kidney. Um, that's one of those things that if I'm going under the knife, it's going to be for a family member, somebody that I know that I, I feel like I'm giving this, giving you life and you're going to do something with it. You know what I mean? And I'm sorry. I really don't know uh, that person that's just giving me the sob story on the internet, no matter how good it might be. So I probably wouldn't do that for just a random person. Uh, But and it needs to be something that I can continue to live my life with. So, you know, yes, I'll give up a liver transplant because you can live with what, like one tenth or one quarter of your liver and you're still good um, because I really don't drink much anyway. So I don't need my liver for real, for real. But, um, you know, to give up uh, one of my kidneys, that's a life changing event for me, too. You know, so you have to start watching your diet and everything like that. And so if I'm going to change my lifestyle and my life for this person, then they need to be close to me. So I I can't just do that for a random. Uh, Agree. It'd have to be wife or daughter or some. I mean, 
Rosie may not drink a lot, and I don't drink a lot now, but I did start drinking when I was 14. So I need my liver. I need I need it at full strength. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with him. It, it has to be one of those cases right there, man. So when you say close, how close is close? Uh, Tabitha and Jasmine. Okay. Full stop. <laughs> and the reason I ask is because... And I don't, I don't try to speak things into existence. So, you know, hypothetically, we all have a wife and kids and God forbid they're in need of something and no one in that household is a match. What do you think then? The, sh- the, the roles reverse. So nobody in your house can donate to your kids or your wife. If everybody has that same mentality, how how do you guys survive? What you know, does that make you think a little deeper? You know, and I'm not putting pressure. I just like I said, it was it was an interesting conversation in another group that I'm in, and it was just it's I, I mean, I think that's kind of destiny, right? It's if 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 we find one, we find a match and and somebody comes up and they says say that they are going to do it, then uh, they do it. And we're going to pray about that and, and trust that God's going to provide that that whatever organ it is. But I, I think I can't think about. Hoping somebody semi close to me would give up and change their lifestyle and do what I, all that stuff that I just talked about in order to save my child because they're not as close to my child as I am you know and and again it it's it's relative to what what I'm providing what I'm transplanting and you know the the usefulness to me as well as if it's going to save your life or just prolong your life for a year or two, you know, talking about that liver transplant, if it's my uncle that's an alcoholic and he needs a liver transplant, I'm sorry. I don't care how close I am to him. I'm not giving him the liver transplant. You know what I mean? Did you give you, did you give your list? Is yours like Byron is your household? Is that where you stop or you, is your circle a little bigger? Mine's, mine, yeah. Mine's probably a little bigger. When it comes to, like I said, it's, it's relative. It, it, if it's a kidney, it's going to have to be my sisters, my family, like my, my household, probably one of you two, like my closer friends, the Marcus Brandt, like my real close friends. I may go ahead and step out and and then do the kidney transplant where I still have one. Um, so it just really depends on the the change in my lifestyle and my relationship to that person. So I, I think it's a sliding scale. I don't think it's one or the other. Well, I'm you also, know, I always play devil's advocate. What you about to say, Buff? I was going to say, I'm also, I'm, I'm terrified of surgery, man. Like, I've, I've never had to have surgery, you know, where you, like, put out and cut open and stuff. So just the thought of surgery, man, is one of my, I don't know, fears. Maybe I watched too much Nip Tuck where the anesthesiologist didn't do her job and, you, they woke up and they could feel the pain, but they couldn't move or something like that. I don't know, man. I'm just I'm having surgery is not something that I look forward to. So, yeah, yeah, me either. Yeah, well, it, it, but- it gets it gets crazy. Uh, surgery. I mean, me and Fur got plenty of stories from Afghanistan. I uh, mean, man. where folks came in and it, it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, what's me? I yeah, what's your answer, Ferg? <laughs> I'm gonna come. I'm come. I'm gonna answer, but I'm coming to you, Buff. You know, I'm about to poke. Uh, I'm gonna poke the bear or the buff. Uh, <laughs> poke the buff. <laughs> um. So you have a very small, small circle. What if you could save someone in Rosie's household? You mean like Ali or Sophie or Rosie, Haley, anybody? <laughs> Um, <clears throat> I send you my deepest prayers, Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know what, man? In all serious, seriousness, um, it's 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 easy for me to say what I wouldn't do in this hypothetical scenario, but I genuinely do love Rosio and his family. And if if I knew that I can one hundred percent save one of his family members and I'm faced with that decision. Like if I do it, I save them. If not, there's no other matches. They're going to die. That's a huge weight 
And my love for him and his family, I don't know if I can live with that. So my answer is I'm probably taking the easy way out. I don't know if I can honestly answer that right now, because if I was faced with it, I think there's a good chance that my answer would be different. But, you know, it's just the fear of going under surgery. And like Razio said, just doing without one of those important organs, having to change your entire lifestyle. That's something that you got to seriously think about. So easy for me to say, nah, not right now. But if I'm faced with it, you know, and I like I like Sophie a little more than Ali, too. So we- <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully if everything goes right and you're still, you, you make it through because Ali might take his uh, shot at Tabitha. If you exactly, know like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I know, you, I know your husband saved my life, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like he's here. Yeah. yeah already, he already <laughs> you can, was old. You can, at least, got... you can at least lay with his kidney every night. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't got but one kidney and he old. You might as well come with his young player. Wow. Um, but I'm kind of like, um, I have a, I have a list, you know, it, it would have to be my, my immediate family and it depend on my household. Definitely. Even my immediate family, my brothers, sisters, but it also mom, but also depends on the lifestyle they live and the lifestyle they can live afterwards. You know, you know, if, I give up this kidney and their life expectancy is two years and their quality of life is going to be struggling for two years. Is it worth it? You know, um, if they're young and vibrant, you know, they're, they're at the beginning of their life, you know, is that a risk we're willing to take? But when it comes to others, you know, that, that outside of my household, outside of my family, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like you, Byron and, and Rozzy. I would have to really, really consider it because like you said, Buff, I think at the end of the day, when you think about that burden, that burden of guilt that you, you could possibly live with knowing that, hey, I could have saved this person's life. And I don't know if it's the medic in me and some of the things I saw or experienced in Afghanistan where you you know that you have a chance to save this person's life. And when you don't, I mean, that stays with you. I mean, when you, you know, I've literally had somebody, you know, die in my hands before. And, you know, that's, that, that stays with you. And it wouldn't be the same situation, but it's more so that, man, I possibly could have done something to save this person's life. And maybe I would have to stop drinking a little bit. Or maybe I had to get over my fear of surgery. You know, people live happy and full lives with one kidney. Or it could be like, hey, I'm saving this kidney for somebody that I really know that needs it. You know, but it really made me think because when that when I saw the email or the the message come out, it's easy like, nah, I'm, I'm not the one. But it also makes you think like, what if that was somebody else? Maybe that person's not in that circle. But what goes through your mind if? You know, one of us sends out that text or that call like, hey, man, just let you know, this is going on with this person in my family. And we're looking for everybody that we know and care that's healthy to see if they can be potential donors. Can I count on you? You know, what do you say? Nah, man, I'm good. Oh, I got bad phone reception or let me call you back. You know, it's it's one of those things. So I think I answered the question. Um didn't expect to go down the Afghanistan path, but uh, it made me think of that those situations where I remember every time we got a patient, mm-hmm. that was the first thing that went through my mind is, am I going to do the right thing? Am I going to perform my job correctly to save this person, potentially save this person's life or provide a better way of living for them? So, yeah, uh, yeah especially especially if it was an insurgent, because that was the that was the biggest thing was. You know, of course, you're doing everything you can when a soldier came through. But when an insurgent came through, when they brought in somebody that was injured, that we know had shot at our guys and then they shot back and hit the insurgent and we're having to patch this person up like that was that was hard. The first couple of times that somebody brought that in because you have to think about, all right, I've got you know, that whole Hippocratic oath and do no harm and I'm going to save them no matter what. And then we'll figure out what to do with them afterwards. Uh, But it's hard getting over that hump that first time 
when you know that that guy was shooting at your, your folks, you know, yeah. so that that's that's a decision you got to make. And, and I think that's a, it goes right along with that, Ferg, of, you know, do I help everybody? Do I want I want to help everybody? But at the same time, what kind of care am I going to give them? What kind of, um, you know, what part of myself am I going to give them to to make them survive? I guess you got to triage the situation to see if it's worth it. Yep. You know, Every that's, time. That's, um, I guess once again, um, it's like playing God. You, you you get the chance to make that decision. Can't Is this the person who I'm going to save? Or is this one of the people that's going to have to uh, find another way? So mm-hmm. anything else, fellas? Any? Nah, you, <clears throat> another tough question from you as usual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect it to go that deep. I thought it was going to be a quick one. So who who's we got up next? next? So I'm going to do something a little different this time. I'm going to start my question off with a quote, and then I'm going to pose the question to you guys. So here we go. Who you marry tells me who you are. When you marry a woman, you don't just marry her. You marry her culture, her community, and her people. I cannot respect a black man that doesn't marry a black woman. And that, of course, is Orazio's favorite philosopher, Dr. Umar Johnson. So my question. (laughs) The honorable. (laughs) Honorable Dr. Umar Johnson. Isn't that right, Razzie? Something like that. These are jokes, people. My question to you two guys, uh, and it's a two-part question. One, how do you, and please be honest, don't. How do you feel about interracial marriage? And two, before you all married your lovely wives, at any point, would you have considered marrying not just a white woman, but any woman of a different race, but specifically a white woman in this case, but overall, any other race? So two part question. One of y'all take it. I, I mean, I can go first because it's. It's very difficult for me to say I I wouldn't go into an interracial relationship when my parents are in an interracial relationship. So, you know, I remember growing up and I tell the story a lot of times, you know, getting those looks, even in the 80s in Mobile of we don't do that here. I remember being asked to leave a restaurant in Sierra Lane, Alabama. Because my mom and dad were there and they were like, we don't do that here. So, you know, wow. and that was in the 80s. So think about that. I mean, that's that's far past civil rights and everything. Supposedly we're good. And no, it, it still was that kind of red lined, unspoken segregation that was happening or actually outspoken segregation that was happening in Mobile. Are you and, willing to name the restaurant? No, no. I don't even okay. know if they're still open. Truthfully, okay. right. I hope they're not. So <laughs> we never went back. Proceed. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's one of those things that I look at people as people, man. I mean, and like you said, when you marry a person, you marry their culture. And I can attest to that. But I don't think there's a problem with mixing cultures and really blending and understanding each other's culture. If you love that person, you love that person, you adopt those cultures. I mean, my dad was Catholic. My mom was Baptist. And for the first few years of our life, I went every other Sunday to a different service. I went to Catholic service. Then I went to Baptist service. And then, you know, finally my dad just kind of moved over and adopted my mom's Baptist religion. Um, and, and so that shift and it's like, as a as a couple, you have to go through that and you have to grow through that. But to say I'm writing off every other race just because I want to stay inside of my race just doesn't make sense. I mean, you fall in love with who you fall in love with. And before I married Jenica, I I dated a white girl at, at, for a little while. So, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that. Oh, what? Can you tell me about that? I didn't know that either. <laughs> That's breaking news right there. So your first people. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things that yes, I definitely would if I if it the relationship had gotten stronger and and we had kind of really went down that path. I had no problem with that. I mean, and what it's it's 
people are people, man. And we, we need to get past this idea of if they're not exactly like me for some reason, then I can't be with them. So the, the long and short answer of it all. Okay. Well, I agree with you, Rosie. I mean, you love who you love. Um, it's funny because I remember growing up in Mobile and then moving to Dallas and being in the suburbs of Dallas, you know, Addison and Richardson. And that adage, you know, you have to be 10 times as good as they are to get exactly what they have. And so my mom and dad growing up or stepdad growing up in Alabama had that, you know, be weary of white people attitude to a certain extent. Not that they didn't like them. They would just be weary. And back in the day, I used to love me some of the white girls, point blank. I was that guy because I was like one of the only kids in class, black kids in class. So that's who I was seeing. Was this like back in sixth grade? No, nah, no. Sixth grade? No, no, no. This is this is Dallas. Sixth grade, but no. So moving to from Dallas to Mobile was a culture shock too. So when I first moved to Mobile and I was at Booger T, man, talking about Fair East Side High, man, that, that junk had me nervous. Phillips was a better transition for me. But what's funny is, you know, my mom used to always kind of you can see her her disdain to a certain extent when I would have these little, you know, quote unquote, little white girls calling my phone and stuff like that. House phone. This is 1987, 1988, whatever. But, um, but what's funny is you fast forward to call it 1995, 1996. And my mom starts dating again after uh, her, my, my stepdad divorce. And she starts dating the guy who's my, my youngest sister's dad, you know, and growing up in Mobile in the 90s, you know, he's Native American, but you know what that is in Mobile? White. You know, so uh, just seeing that and just to see that in my mind, like she gave me all this grief for, you know, little white girls. And now she's dating this white guy. Oh, now she's, you know, really dating this white guy. They're about to have a kid and all this stuff. And fast forward to 2019, they're still together. Um, all the men that I've and not saying all, but the men I've seen in my mother's lives, it seems like none have made them as happy and have been as supportive as her, for her as him. So it can work. You know, you just have to make it work. As far as me, um, I'm not against it, but it was it's always been something about a black woman and a black family that maybe I romanticized about. You know, where I didn't want to have to deal with those issues if if I didn't have to. You know, I want to be able to come home and have a conversation. And my wife completely understands as much as she can as a black woman compared to a black man as possible. You know, where I didn't have to bite my tongue. I don't have to worry about what she might have thought you know, like, you know, we just got in an argument. Did she just call me the N-word in her head? Like, you know, it's those things where you know that now my wife might still do that, but, you know, out of love. But um, but it's not the same context. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And like, and I, I just I just want to throw it out there. The girl that I dated was for the culture, um, not like on a Rachel Dolezal type for the culture, but you know, she she grew up in an African American community, she so she, it it wasn't like how was her haircut? Everything was far. Yeah, she had one of the I date black guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Oh, oh, I gotta lie, she did. She did. Oh man, this, this before, was this before high school, Rosie? No, no, this was uh in college. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. yeah. But I think also going to HBCU for me, man, I, I I saw so many strong, beautiful, like successful black women that almost any man would be happy to call their own. It's like, man, they're out there in all this negative publicity that and negative connotations we associate with black women. I mean. You, they're looking at the wrong spot. So for me, I felt like I was destined to marry a black woman. As far as being able to accept somebody else's culture, I mean, that's a challenge, but I think it's doable. I think you have to have those conversations because it's not just 
a black and white thing. It's my wife is seven years my junior. You know, there's things that I experienced growing up that she never experienced. You know, we'll be listening to a song and I be I want to think about, oh yeah, when I was in college, this just did this. She was like, Oh yeah, I was in middle school. I'm like, by God, like what happened? You know, so there's cultural differences there, there's age differences. You know, she grew up in South Florida, I grew up in Alabama and Texas. Um the way you look at religion, I mean, there's always gonna be differences. So I think if you're willing to work it out, you can, but you have to know that those are things that uh, you have to address those and not make it seem like they're not there. So I think that's the only way to make those things successful is to address the elephant in the room. Hey, you know, you're white, right? So let's talk about that. Did you, what made you ask that question? I feel like I saw a special or a comedy show or something that asked You wanted that. to make me mad talking about Umar Johnson? No, it wasn't a special. Uh, I knew it would. Um, <laughs> I knew it would uh, affect Rosio a certain kind of way, just okay. by the messenger. But for me, man, it's it's two things, right? So first off, you know, love who you love, point blank, period. Love who you love, no matter what sex, race, religion. Love who you love. That's not my business. I will say this though, and I guess this will make me the villain of the show for the second week in a row. I will say for a man or a woman, whoever, for someone to only like for someone to only date white women, like won't consider black women. I do think that type of person has some type of issue with black people. Like, I mean, we got Dennis Rodman as an example of how he didn't want to really date black women because they reminded him of his mom and he hated his mom or whatever. So it's one thing to, you know, you just you happen to fall in love with someone who happened to be white. That's one thing versus you only date white women. So and I don't even want to say I have a problem with that, because at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with me. But I do think there is an issue behind that. If, if you only consider white men or white women or whatever race it is. And I use Umar because Umar Johnson has said a lot of things that have ticked a lot of women off over the years. He, uh, a lot of women call him a sexist and things like that. But because he, he is. But when he said this quote, because it is my belief, black women, please correct me if I'm wrong. But from my experience, it seems like black women have a much bigger problem with black men that date white women than black men have with black women dating white men. Maybe it could be the same. Maybe I'm just that could be a blind spot. So I'm openly admitting admitting that. But it just seems like black women have a serious problem. They feel like, you know, with the athletes, with the celebrities, in their mind, they always go and get them a white woman. And so it was just kind of funny to see them disagree with nearly everything Umar said. But then when he said this quote, a lot of those same women was like, well, I mean, he got a point. <laughs> so, so that's why I use him because, again, from my experience, that's how much they detest seeing it. And I think it's because in their point of view, so many successful black men, it seems like from their point of view, it seems like it's OK to date a black woman when you haven't made it yet, when you're just average or below average. But once you make it. Or you're all of a sudden too good for them and you go and get you a white woman. And I think that kind of offends some of them. Yeah, I mean, because society, ahead, to a certain extent, I think, and I don't believe it by any means, but it's almost like it's an upgrade. Yeah. It's seen as the upgrade. So it's, it's offensive. You know, it's like you have all these successful black women here. You've been dating black women. Your first wife is a black woman. Or your baby mama's a black woman. And now that you get this, you reject. I mean, that's, I mean, I think that might be part of it. I can't speak as a black woman. Um, please listeners, let us know. And I'm pretty sure you will let us know. Um, please. How you feel. But I think for black men, when we see a, a, a black woman dating a white man, it's almost like, especially if she's attracted, it's like, Oh man, we let one get away. And we shrug our shoulders and you might even shoot your shot because it's a pride thing. Like, you know, you know, why got all this black man over here? Don't come back to us. No. All right. It's more like a, I'm going to shoot my shot because she's fine. 
But at, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not going to lose sleep and like, guess what I saw? You know, it's, it is what it is. But when you talk about, oh, maybe it's an upgrade or something like that, it's a lot of times it's just a circle that those people are moving in now. When they become these successful athletes and things like that, they're going to parties and there aren't as many black women in those parties. And so what ends up happening is the circles that they're running with now just lends themselves to end up meeting a a white woman that, you know, can you chop it up? Y'all talk, y'all meet at the bar, y'all, y'all start laughing. And all of a sudden, boom, we're in a relationship, you know. I, I think that's probably more so for most of those guys that end up make be, becoming successful and end up with a white person. It's not necessarily that I'm writing off black women or anything like that, because Buff, I agree with you. Anybody that says that I'm only going with one race, I don't want black, you know, women anymore. I'm only or I'm only going with white women. There's something underlying there that needs to be addressed. And, and there's some self-hate. <laughs> there's some hate for the culture. Uh, there's something that needs to be addressed with those people. But for the folks who, like you said, they're, they're baby mama, they dated black women throughout. They probably dated a, a black woman right before this white woman that they ended up with. Uh, it just so happens that the, the one that caught them was, ended up being the white girl. I mean, it's no different than me dating somebody else black girl, black girl, black girl. And I met Jen, like all those other women go out of the window. It doesn't matter anymore. Mm. It's, it's, it's my current wife and I fell in love with her. And I think that's what ends up happening with most, most of them. The problem is that they have so much celebrity that everybody wants to make assumptions about because they chose that other race that they are somehow saying that the, uh, the, the black race or their race is, is, is worse and I don't think it's an either or. I don't think they're making. I don't think they're consciously making that choice when they say, "Hey, I like this conversation that we're having. Um, let's continue. Let's go out on a date." I half believe that, but I do think it's become almost a fad. I think it's. I made it. I'm about to leave me a white girl. Like I think that's a real thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I really do. So, um, so you think they get that big check and they say, "All right, I'm about to go I, get I me really a Lamborghini." I, mean, a big I, house I don't have any facts. And a white I mean, girl. <laughs> Um, that's the checklist. <laughs> yeah, the checklist. But I mean, I think it's some like you said. Some I might even say for some of those people, it should it could be self hate. But um, for some of these like athletes or something, it could just be something as simple as it's upgrade. You know, they want to change the scene or they want something different. And I think why some of these our sisters have a problem is do these quote unquote white women have to meet the same standards? Do they do? Do you do the same things with her? Do you give her the same grief? Do you all do you already see her when you come in? Do you already have these your guard up because she reminds you of your mother and all this stuff? And it's like this white girl comes in and the, the slate is clean because it's it's a completely new situation. Not saying it's it's their fault, but it's you know they they don't carry the baggage of previous yeah. relationships, or they yeah. do, but it's a different baggage, so you don't recognize it. And, right. you know, and we all know black women have some negative stereotypes from their yeah. angry attitude, gold diggers, all that. But I did want to touch on one more thing. And I do agree with what Rosio said, too, to an extent that, you know, Jamel Hill a couple of weeks ago wrote the article on how athlete black athletes should start going to HBCUs. Mm-hmm. We all know that the majority of them are at these predominantly white institutions. So. When they had the college parties and stuff, I'm sure the white women outnumber the black women by a certain amount. You shaking your head, Fur, but I'm just saying, like it's it's got some of it has to be a numbers thing. No, those athletes are. I went to FAM, Florida State's across the street. Guess what those athletes were? Because it was across the street, but what what's across the street from Alabama? What's across the street from LSU? Stillman, but yeah, okay, whatever. LSU, where were they? And that's probably, probably yeah, in. so that's what he went. Well, okay, Oregon. You got one for Oregon? Huh? Huh? <laughs> 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 right there. <laughs> but no, I, wanna, I get what you're saying. You I know, like you said, it is circles. I do want to make one final point, too. In addition to if you only date one race, I also think if you, if you want to date a white woman, I think that's great. Just don't put black women down to justify your reason yeah. 
dating them. Well, I, I, I dated a white woman because I ain't got time for somebody wearing a headscarf to bed or getting an attitude with me and all this stuff. Like, just just say that's what you like. You can you can date what you like without putting down black women. That's yeah. that's all I ask. So yeah. And the reason I asked that, what you, why did you ask the question? I can't remember what it was, but they brought up family. So like that, it's you're not just dating or married to that one person who might be for the culture. But her family might be calling you all kinds of names behind your back and you still have to deal with that. You still have to go out and experience that, you know, uh, when the ki- when your kids come over are are they accepted? You know, they uh, I, I've, got a, I've got a perfect story for that. My dad, when he used to go see my mom, my mom, my granddad would be like that, bo- that white boy out there to see you. Like you wouldn't call my dad by name. <laughs> well, they, they, they was a real live jungle fever, man. Yeah. But you know what? West Side Story. Dad, I mean, dad can pass though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know why they gave him all that grief. Just giving him a hard time, I think. I mean, he 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 became, I think, my granddad's favorite, um, you know, son-in-law. Like, I know he was my grandma's uh, favorite son-in-law. So it's one of those things, man, that he, he did pass and he showed them that I I love her and I'm going to be here, you know, so that that's all it really takes. That's what's up. Yeah. Byron, we're going to revisit that question because there are some, I think, potential, I'm not going to call it benefits, but some potential things that I think help make some of those relationships easier. Um, so we'll put a pin in that and kind of come back to that later. That's a lot better than what I thought you was about to say. I thought you was about to say there's some benefits to dating a white woman. Rosie, bring, bring us over. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. Give my beautiful black queen, man. You know, I'm, I'm all... I I'm, about to say, you know, better credit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sister soldier locks, you know, yeah, all man, that. Have some of the best mayonnaise sandwiches. Oh, man. <laughs> I hate mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. All right. <laughs> so let's see what what which question do I want? Um, I'm a, I'm gonna lighten it up a little bit, and I'm probably gonna make Jenica mad because it's one of these, you know, what's your favorite and and your top five and everything like that. But I, I've I've been watching Wu Tang and American Saga, and you know Wu Tang just had their uh, they just did the documentary on Showtime, I want to say it, it was on. So Wu is kind of coming back into the mainstream for a lot of the kids that didn't really know about him. And when I say watching the the series that they have, it's on uh, Hulu, I think. And just watching how they got together and everything and the songs that RZA drops in every episode and just seeing them like cut the the records and everything, man, when I tell you I binged the first three episodes and I, I was, I was hyped. Like Jenica was over there annoyed with me because every time a song come on, I'd be like, man, I love this song. Like they had Ghostface Killer you know, doing one of his songs, having a, a flash forward of Iron Man and it dropping. I was like, man, you don't understand how hype I was when Ghostface dropped Iron Man. Listen to this song. Like I was pulling them up on YouTube and everything. Like I was crunk about this. And so with that, my question for you guys, it's a two part question. One, I hear a lot of people say you can tell a person's personality by their favorite Wu-Tang member. So I want to know. <laughs> what your favorite Wu-Tang member was and what your favorite crew was. So not just like rap group, but so we're not going to talk about Outkast versus Wu, but like the Dungeon Family or the St. Lunatics, NWA, you can probably even go into some of the, um, the, the smaller labels. So Suave House or even um, No Limit or, you know, that type of thing. But what was your favorite crew? And and you can say woo, but probably outside of woo, because I'm I'm pretty sure that's probably high on everybody's list. Ah, uh, Bert. Nah, man, I want to think about this one. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> so I know off top, my favorite member was Old Dirty Bastard, and I'm just sorry, but oh, they, baby, it, I like it, Rob. It, it was a documentary. Yeah. I think it was uh, MTV or whatever, and. That dude said, you know, I, I don't give a bleep. I go smash a chick and she can burn me 
and I don't care. I go back and smash it again. So what? I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like he gave like you know the the saying a year or so ago was uh to give zero bleeps. ODB was ahead of his time. Yes, he, he was gave zero. Yeah. And uh, me and my friend Michael Tart in sixth grade at Phillips, we would just randomly in the middle of class, like taking a test, we'd be like, Brooklyn, <laughs> like loud, man. So it's definitely ODB. And he wasn't even like, I think Method Man was probably the better, uh, one of the better rappers uh, of the group. Uh, even though Ghostface Killer and uh, Raekwon fans would disagree with that, but ODB was my favorite, man. As far as favorite crew, alright, Fur, can you at least name your favorite Wu member? And then yeah, I'll then we'll come back around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. How do you think on that one? I gotta go with Meth, just because his versatility, man. Like, I feel like Meth could do no wrong. Like, he's just, if he's on it, it's gonna be hot. Like, music-wise, TV-wise, Movie wise, I mean that dude could have. If Meth got on Sesame Street tonight, it would be your favorite episode of Sesame. Like that dude is just, and he's past the test of time. Like it's just, he's always cool. Like I don't know, man. It's just some bottom. Even I just remember what was the latest? Uh, was the VMAs, BET Awards, or something like that? Came out. So, it was yeah. just like this dude is still, still, he's still cool. Like he still got it, and you know. For someone that tries to be versatile and um, keep themselves together, I kind of respect his 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 hustle. Like you don't, you know, some people don't age as well, they don't adapt as well. But Meth is that person. He was relevant then, probably one of the most relevant back in the day, and still is probably the most relevant today. So that's my dude. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's hard because I've I've switched between, between them. Which 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 members? Slaps people for like, like without hesitation. Is it Ghostface? Ghostface or uh, is it RZA? It, like, it's Raekwon, probably the biggest one. Okay, I know one of them will like, like the dude that was overcharging people for the AIDS medicine that wound up going to jail. He wound up having a beef with one of the uh, Wu Tang members, and I think it was uh, I don't know, Ghostface or Raekwon. I think it was Ghostface at that time. Ghostface was yeah, he 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 was a little he'll fly off the handle too. Yeah. So, but it, it's funny, none of them really gave a f. Like, if you haven't watched the the series, go watch the series because it really opens your eyes to why everybody was like they are. Um, they the the actors are awesome in it. I mean, they really take on the the personalities of each one of them, and you can really see every member in the actor. So, and, and if you like ODB, ODB in it is hilarious too. So, <laughs> yeah, you'll really like the uh, show. But for me, it's it's evolved. I probably started off with Meth just because he was the coolest, right? So he's the front man. He And I mean, when you hit an M-E-T-H-O-D man, man, like everybody like, what is going on? But I, I slowly evolved to start appreciating uh, Ghostface a lot more, and when so what, what song made yeah. that song change? It was, it was summer two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Man, I that, mean, that, that was so hard. So I I, re- I got into him for a while, but now as I'm older, I think my favorite really is RZA. I mean, just for his vision. I mean, the the beats that he put out. Again, I'm a, I'm a huge nerd. I, I watched all those kung fu flicks, and so when I heard the songs and I heard the sound bites and the clips and the samples, I knew exactly what m- movie it was coming from. I'm like, Oh, that's, you know, return to the 36 chambers. Oh, that's enter uh, the dragon. Oh, that's, you know, and I was like, man, th- this is the dude. So his beats. So it wasn't his lyric lyrics. Of course, he's not the best rapper in the group, but being able to put all that together, being able to say meth, you're going to be the latest man. I'm going to put you out. Raekwon, you my lyricist, you know, Ghostface, you uh, just the uh, the lover boy in it all. I mean, ODB, you just going to be our wild card. Like being able to say all of us have our niche. And and then you think about the business side of it. When you talk about he set it up, they were the first group that had an, a group album, but they could go out and do individual albums on their own labels. 
And he he fought for that. And so that was unheard of in the music industry, truthfully, that a group would allow or a, a label would allow a group member to go to another label and do an individual album. But Rizzo wouldn't let them get signed without that in the contract. That was big. And then being able to say, and they get to carry the Wu label with them, even if it's not on the uh, the label that we're on now. So all that business acumen and all that that he did to make Wu what they are today, man, RZA holds, I mean, all the power for me. So I think it makes sense, man. I mean, if by what you guys said, Rizzo, you probably have more of RZA, Rizzo, RZA. That, that's probably yeah. not a coincidence. But uh, that fits your personality. Byron, you are, maybe not now, but you were a wild card. You were, <laughs> yeah, you know, like hey, you know, so it, yeah, it, it makes a parasite boy. Yeah. I know yeah. you that. I'm, I'm talking on the water now, man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, you you would say anything. Uh, so I make I think it makes sense. So oh well, as far as favorite group man, or I think you said you didn't favorite say pop. group. Yeah, favorite crew. Uh, I still got to put out there, my favorite group of all time is 8-Ball MJG. Let me just put that out there right now. Favorite crew, man, I, I don't know. Maybe it's got to be out of uh, Dungeon Family, I guess, because I was a huge Outkast fan, and I like some of the other guys that were in it. So it's out of uh, Dungeon Family, and just that whole, I got to say that whole Death Row family, because for me, that was when I really started loving rap. I remember uh, our mutual friend, Lorenzo, we, uh, we was in sixth grade together at Phillips, and uh, nothing but a G thing had came out. He's like, hey, man, it was like the first day of school almost. I didn't even know him. He's like, hey, man, you seen that nothing but a G thing video? I said, yes. <laughs> and and from, from then on, man, I just really started following rap, man. And so that just that whole Snoop, Dre, Dog Pound, even Lady of Rage, man, like that whole crew was just so cool to a young Byron back then. So that was my favorite crew. So I have two answers since Byron had two. I guess of all time is Dungeon Family. I mean, you got to respect Outkast. You I mean, I love CeeLo just because CeeLo's versatile. He has, has a different style. You know, I'm kind of, I'm always on something different. And even when they introduce other people like Sleepy Brown, Killer Mike, mm-hmm. and... I'm a Janelle McNay fan. Like, just the fact that she's part of Dungeon Family and stuff like that. So these guys were still the test of time. Anytime they come back out, you know it's going to be a killer. Uh, Cass has some of my favorite music of all times from day don't, one. Don't forget, Erica Badu came out of that Dungeon Family crew uh, for real, too. So when when Andre, Common, Erica Badu, they were, all, they were in the Dungeon when they made all those hits. So... You can kind of as a extended dungeon family. So they were the dungeon. They were the dragon party. They were kind of the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, then of course I can't. I gotta respect No Limit. You know what I'm saying? Just because. Uh, yeah, <laughs> man. Just the that timing was was so impeccable in such an important part of my life when I was. 15, 16, kind of really feeling like I was becoming a man and thinking I'm kind of in the streets doing what I do. So it kind of it kind of fit, you know, it made you want to buck up, toughen up and stuff like that. So it was just something about that music that spoke to me. I don't know why I wasn't really about that life, but it spoke to me. You know, we're walking around thinking we're like almost like no limit. You had your crew, you know. Uh, what was that class of '97? John yeah. Elafleur were they, were they were they no limit soldiers? Were, no, they yeah. were true. Remember they had the little true tattoos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anybody, uh, John Elafleur class of '97, please post if you're listening your TRU tattoo because I remember when people were getting that. And I was like, I can't wait to get a tattoo. I'm so glad that my mama did not let me get a tattoo because I probably would have been dumb enough to get the TRU tattoo. But um, but it was just somebody, you know, the way P was just a general. And just, you had all these different personalities from for some reason. We thought Silk the Shocker was flowing. I don't know what we were thinking. Uh, <laughs> did, 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 did we know? I don't know. I don't think we thought it was flowing. It was it was it was a flow. It was just 
his the his wordplay, I guess. It was just I don't know what it was, but it was riding. So if I'm the only person that thought he was riding, then I I'll speak up. Yeah, I saw that's, that's why we can never talk about anybody who likes Blueface or uh, Lil Yachty or any of them because we were bumping Silk the Shocker. Yeah, but then you also had Mac, you had Mystical, you had uh, Fiend, like, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, No Limit had a stable. I mean, but but the problem was it's because we grew up in the South. So outside of the South, that stable meant nothing. Like, the big names got play, but Mac wasn't getting play in the Northeast. You know, he wasn't getting play out West. So we know all these, like, classics to us, but... They weren't classics for everybody. But yeah, I agree. I think No Limit is probably one of my biggest ones. Um, but I'm going I'm to take it way left and go down South Florida to Slip and Slide. So... <laughs> hey, man. Hey, there was some... Trina, hey, you, you, you were a dancer and stuff, so... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say Two Live Crew, though. <laughs> two Live Crew? Two Live Crew, I mean, they they were kind of the grandparents of that bass music anyway, so when you really, I, I, I almost put them in that same, when I talk about a crew, I look at just bass music in general, so uh, you can put Two Live Crew in there, too, for that. Trick Daddy, Trick Daddy was down with them, and Trick Daddy was slip and slide, so, yeah. 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 Oh yeah, man. I went to school in Florida, so uh, yeah, that's Slip and Slide Records. Many <laughs> uh, a party got turned up over that, man. So <laughs> Slip and Slide. I did not think you were going to bring them up. Yeah, man. That's I, I. I still I still bump trick now. So it crossed, it crossed my mind. Yeah, Chapter AK Verse Forty Seven, one of the dopest albums ever. Okay, yes. nobody say. Yeah, he had like Three Six Mafia. Like I rocked with them for a set. Yeah, yeah. weren't they? Were, were they on Swisher House? No, they were on Hypnotize Mind. Oh, okay. So them and Project Pat. Project Pat, yeah. man. I remember that. Get it Project green. Pat, Crunchy Black, Gangsta Boo. It was so horrible. <laughs> so horrible. <laughs> Where the so dollars horrible. at? <laughs> oh, man. Man, the, the 90s and early 2000s, boy. About to make me a whole new playlist for my workout tomorrow. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lube in there, and I mean, you about to Lil John and East Side Boys, and I mean, it was it was oh, early man. That, time, that, that whole crunk movement. Oh, like, yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much music is just great in general, man. I mean, and we just talk about hip hop right now, but it's you see how excited I get talking about it, and, and it's one of those things, man, that. I don't care how down you are. I don't care what's going on. You can put on some of those some, those records and just lose yourself in it, man. It makes it makes everything go away, and you just feel good. So speaking of playlists, Razzy, you still owe me Splash, bro. I know I can't find it, man. I, I try it. I'll see. Can I get it? All right, well, uh, fellas, once again, great talking to you guys. Um, had a blast as usual. It, it's it's always fun. Anything you want to say to the listeners before we leave? Uh, Razio at the top of the show, thank the listeners, man. And I just want to reiterate that. And the reason we stress and ask for you guys to subscribe and rate us is because it helps our podcast move up in the search list. So when people are just randomly searching for podcasts, it'll help our bump, ours bump up there and, and help us grow the audience. But I, I can't say it enough. We... Man, we like me, Rising and Fur, we actually text one another and be like, wow, man, people are listening. Like we we really it genuinely makes us happy. So thank you guys. I know some of you guys have said you listen to us while you're working out on your commute. So we just appreciate all the love. Keep it coming. Keep sharing us. Keep interacting with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And with that, like we said, keep interacting, throw out ideas, want to shout out everybody that's given us an idea or tagged us in, you know, an article, that type of thing. We do keep them. That's how we have these lists of things to uh, to ask and talk about is uh, I'm I'm keep we're keeping track of every last one that we're tagged in. So keep tagging us. Keep adding us. We appreciate it. We're going to keep interacting with you and uh, we're going to just keep growing this thing, man. Thanks, fellas. Two things before I leave. One tab, my bad. I, you you pose a question. 
I said I was going to talk about it on the show, so I will briefly bring it up next week. And the second thing is, stay tuned. We're going to start putting polls out there to get your feedback to let you see what you guys are thinking about questions. So uh, stay tuned to the next um, after this next episode. You'll see a poll, maybe one or two, just to kind of pick your brains to see what you guys are thinking. I am Tavares Ferguson, aka Ferg. Join my co-host Byron Evans, Buff, Lil Evil. What else are we calling it, Rosie? Like I said, Parasite Boy. Parasite Boy. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna enlighten yeah. you guys on what they're talking about next episode. <laughs> yeah, we got Rizzy, Rizza, Rizzy. You know, I'm not gonna start calling you by your nicknames. One of them you can't say. <laughs> Once again, it's your favorite podcast, Three Brothers No Sense. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>